Have you ever wondered how Jesus came to call the disciples he called? How did he decide upon those? The disciples don't come across all that well in the Gospels. And you wonder why he decided to call brothers, for instance. He had two sets of brothers. And as you know, brothers fight a lot. We, when I was here fairly shortly after I came, we used to have like eight acolytes on, on every Sunday. And one Sunday there were three brothers on. I won't say who they were. And, <laughs> and they started to fight right in the middle of the sermon. They began to kind of squabbling and stuff. It's like, of course, that's what brothers do. Like twins. We say, I have some twins here this morning. Uh, okay, Robert and Jonathan, do you guys know which disciple was a twin? That's your homework, okay? Which one of the disciples was a twin? Then you got Matthew, who colluded with the Romans collecting taxes. And then you had Judas Iscariot who hated the Romans so much, he was part of a group that carried a sicari in his robes so he could stab Romans whenever he got a chance. And there were two Judases. That's gotta be kind of confusing, Judases. So why did he choose the disciples he did? Why did God choose you to be a disciple? Why did he choose me? Because they're very different. And I think one of the in the gospel reading today, kind of points out that Jesus calls different people. We have different gifts, different perspectives, and that's okay. Sometimes we think if we come to church, if we uh, get on board with the Christian faith, we kind of have to align ourselves like a cookie cutter. I have to be like everybody else. And sometimes churches gravitate that way socially, economically, etc. But I think the glory of God is when we're all very different, yet grounded in who Jesus is. Let's turn, if you would, in your bulletin to the gospel reading for this morning and uh, have a look at this. So in, uh, in John's gospel, he has just called uh, Andrew and Peter have just got on board, but he doesn't call Andrew. So John the Baptist is hanging around and Andrew is one of his disciples. Jesus comes on the scene and John the Baptist says, behold the Lamb of God. So Andrew takes the initiative and he goes to Jesus and says, uh, like, where are you staying tonight? <laughs> it's kind of, you know, not a very theological question, but where are you staying? And so Jesus says, come and see. And so he goes, and then he goes and calls his brother, Simon Peter, and says, we have found the disciple. So it's interesting lead in into today's gospel because Philip is the only disciple where it said about him that Jesus found him. The other di disciples found Jesus. So uh, Andrew says to Peter, we found the Messiah. And then they both sort of get on board. So then we come to our gospel reading today and Jesus decides to go to Galilee and he finds Philip and says to him, follow me. This is a really familiar phrase for anybody on social media, Facebook, you know, Twitter, follow me, who are you following? So he says, uh, Philip was from Bethsaida, city of Andrew. Philip goes right away. So no question, he doesn't, we don't see any interaction with Philip. He just willingly kind of gets on board. And the first thing, this first disciple becomes the first missionary because he goes and finds Nathaniel, seems to be from the same hometown. And he says, we have found the one that Moses wrote about, the one that it's written about in the prophets. We have found him. It's a little bit different than Andrew who said, we found the Messiah. Now Philip says, the one that Moses wrote about, we have found him. Jesus, son of Nazareth, or Jesus, son of Joseph, 
from Nazareth. One of the kids in the school asked me recently, what was Jesus' last name? I, it's very interesting to know when last names became kind of common parlance, because it was quite a lot later than the New Testament. People were identified by who their father or mother was or what city they were from. So here we have both of those, son of Joseph, Jesus of Nazareth. And then, of course, Nathaniel gives this skeptical answer. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And you just wonder what's behind that comment. Was there some kind of village uh, competition, sort of um, background on who's the best village? And what does Philip say? Philip doesn't argue. He doesn't try to convince him. He doesn't try to make a case for something good could come out of Nazareth. What does he do? Just come and see. And I think that's the most glorious thing that we can say to other people. You know, if you're talking about your church or your faith, come and see. Come to church. Come with us when we feed the homeless. Come with us when we have a party. Come with us when we celebrate musically. Just come and see. We're a community of different people. We've all made mistakes. None of us are perfect. It's not a perfect parish. But the great thing is, we have responded to an invitation to come. It's always interesting to me that we, churches sometimes make a lot of the Great Commission. Go out into all the world and preach the gospel, which is a good thing to do. Jesus told us to do it, we should do it. But before the Great Commission came the great invitation. Come to me, all that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Jesus doesn't ask us to go out alone. He asks us to come to the table, to take himself into us so that we can have the attentiveness, the wisdom, the patience, the courage to go out and be salt and light in this crazy world, which seems to be, get crazier day by day. So come and see. And so Nathaniel then quickly goes from this skepticism to he looks like he's convinced. You're the son of God, the king of Israel. That's a pretty big claim for someone who's just met Jesus. And there's no indication that this was a thought-out theological position. It was just kind of an outburst of exuberant hope. I hope you are. It's interesting when he says, you're the king of Israel. The next time that king comes up in the gospel is at the end. And Jesus is hanging on the cross. And above him is a sign that says, the king of the Jews. And the religious teachers go to Pilate and say, uh, could you change that and just say, this person claimed to be the king of the Jews. And Pilate said, no, what I've written, I've written. And Nathaniel would have had no idea where Jesus' kingship was going to lead him. Just like we often have no idea where our discipleship will lead us. And then look at the last verse. The last verse says, he said to him, truly I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Do you recognize that phrase, ascending and descending? Uh, I think the people who first read John would have known this passage from the Old Testament. When Jacob is running away from his brother Esau, he stops for the night, gets his head on a pillow, and has a vision of angels ascending and descending. It's the only other part, place in Scripture where this phrase comes. It's interesting that Jesus calls Nathanael a true Israelite in whom is no deceit, and then makes a reference to Jacob, who was full of deceit. 
He had just tricked his brother out of the uh, rights of the firstborn, out of his father's blessing, and he's running for his life. He gets to his uncle. He deceives him. His uncle deceives him back. I mean, it's just this crazy story of guile and posturing and positioning to see who can... My firstborn son is named Jacob, and people would often say, oh, I see, you're a priest, you know the Bible, you named him Jacob because of the Bible. I say, have you ever read the story of Jacob? (laughs) The great thing about Jacob was, for all his faults, when he was wrestling with God, or the angel, whoever that was he was wrestling with, daybreak comes and the person, God or the angel says, let me go. Jacob says, I will not let you go until you bless me. And I think to me that's such an example of our discipleship, of our relationship with God. I don't understand you. I sometimes don't like you. But I see in you the one that can bless me and I will not let you go. I have all these faults. I don't understand. But I will not let you go until you bless me. How much do you want the blessing of God? Are you willing to wrestle? Are you willing to respond to his call? Are you willing to go with him into the midst of this crazy world to spread that love, to spread that hope and joy in coming together? And so he says, the heavens will be opened. One translation says, ripped open. And this situation where the heavens are ripped open and the angels are coming down, that Jesus becomes the focal point of the traffic between this life and the next, between this dimension and the next. And that's what happens in our Eucharist. We see this as the focal point where heaven comes down and affects earth, and earth comes back and prays to him. It is so central to our faith, this understanding, that we come here not because we've earned it, not because we deserve it, not because we're perfect in any way, but because we haven't. That's the glory. Despite all that, God's grace goes out to us and invites us to respond. And so when we go out into the world and meet people that do not deserve our love, do not deserve our care, nevertheless, we offer it in Jesus' name. Groucho Marx uh, apparently said, he went to a a club one time, Groucho was Jewish, and uh, they went to the club and his daughter wanted to go swimming. They said uh, they couldn't go swimming. And uh, he said, well, my daughter's only half Jewish. Can she go up to her waist? (laughs) He also said, uh, I would never belong to a club that would have me as a member. We are members of Christ. We are his body. We are his heart and soul to go out into the world. He has called us. I think of Samuel. Samuel heard God call and he came to to Eli and said, did you call me? You know, people come to Father Bates and I and say, can I do something? I'd like to get more involved in the church. And you feel like saying, like Eli, uh, we didn't call you. God called you. God has his call upon your life, your family, your friends, your neighborhood to make a difference in this world. So this epiphany season. Let our light shine. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.